You're listening to The Daily Detail, a roundup of the most important news from the state of Alabama and across the United States. I'm Andrea Tice. An Alabama World War II veteran remembers this day that will live in infamy. E.W. Bush of Silicago was only 16 years old when Japanese forces attacked the military base Pearl Harbor in Hawaii in 1941. Two years later, Bush would enlist in the Army Air Corps and go on to become an aircraft gunner. Bush says it wasn't so much a matter of being brave, but something he knew he had to do, even though the news of what was happening was scary. On the anniversary of Pearl Harbor, Bush spoke with 1819 News, saying he hopes the younger generation continues to take pride in the United States and its military services and the need for continuing to fight for freedom. Bush says the military is good for young people because it teaches them discipline and taking orders and how to treat others when you do get a position of authority. To put it more succinctly, Bush said that in the military, you either get it or you get your rear end tore up. One of the two. Alabama's congressional delegates take issue with the recent jobs report. The U.S. Department of Labor reported just a few days ago that there were 210,000 jobs created for the month of November. That number comes in at half of what was expected. Congressman Barry Moore, Mo Brooks, and Gary Palmer all weighed in on that report, calling it miserable, horrible, and failing. All three blamed the Biden administration and Joe Biden's mishandling of the economy, as well as his insistence on implementing socialist policies as the reason for killing jobs and failing American families. The Biden administration, however, says the report is a sign of good trends and the unemployment rate is slowly going down. A report is out from business.org that shows about half of Alabamians are earning a living through small businesses. The report compiled by business.org used the data from the 2020 U.S. Census. In that report, a business is considered small if it has less than 500 employees. 47% of the state workforce is employed by these small businesses. Just next door in Georgia and Tennessee, that number comes in at only 42%. The state of Montana has the highest number of people working at a small business, coming in at 67%. The national average stands at 47 The report also reveals that the U.S. has 6 million small businesses overall, which employs a total of 61 million workers. Authorities in Mobile County are asking for the public's help in locating a missing teenager. 14-year-old Alexis Thornton is from Chinchula, Alabama. She was last seen leaving her home the day before Thanksgiving. Thornton is white, 5'2", 98 pounds, with brown hair and hazel eyes. Anyone with a lead on Thornton is asked to call the Mobile County Sheriff's Office. And if you plan to head to Gulf Shores and take part in the Hangout Music Festival in May of next year, you now have some names of who you'll be hearing as you hang out. The lineup of musical artists for 2022 has been released. Headliners for the festival will be Post Malone, Fall Out Boy, Phoebe Bridgers, Zen Brown, and Louis the Child, just to name a few. Tickets for the Hangout Music Festival go on sale this coming Friday, December 10th. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news, the Biden administration announces a diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Olympics in Beijing, China. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Uh, The Biden administration will not send any diplomatic or official representation to the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics and Paralympic Games, given the PRC's ongoing genocide and crimes against uh, humanity in Xinjiang and other human rights abuses. The athletes on Team USA have our full support. 
We will be behind them 100% as we cheer them on from home. We will not be contributing to the fanfare of the games. U.S. diplomatic or official representation would treat these games as business as usual in the face of the PRC's egregious human rights abuses and atrocities in Xinjiang, and we simply can't do that. We have a fundamental commitment to promoting human rights, and we feel strongly in our position, and we will continue to take actions to advance human rights in China and beyond. The United States Department of Justice has filed a lawsuit against the state of Texas. At issue are the newly drawn congressional districts following the 2020 census and population growth within that state. Texas created two new congressional districts based off of those numbers. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland made the announcement on Monday. Vote dilution occurs when an electoral practice minimizes or cancels out the voting strength of members of a racial group or language minority group. When we issued that guidance, I noted that discriminatory redistricting schemes are illegal and that the department would assess jurisdiction's compliance with those laws during this redistricting cycle. The department's career voting law experts have assessed Texas's new redistricting plans and determined that they include districts that violate the Voting Rights Act. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton has responded to the DOJ's announcement, calling it absurd. Paxton says this lawsuit is the Biden administration's latest ploy to control Texas voters. He says he's confident that the redistricting decisions will be proven lawful and prevail over what he called a preposterous attempt to sway democracy. Well, when it comes to relieving the supply chain disruption, the line is just as long as it's ever been off the coast of California. There are 96 container ships waiting to unload their cargo. This past November, the Marine Exchange of Southern California started implementing a new process for counting merchant ships off their coast. This new queuing system is reporting that there are 40 container ships waiting for berth at the ports between Los Angeles and Long Beach. However, the new system has now forced 56 container ships back out to sea to wait outside of the newly designated safety and air quality area, which has a 100-mile radius off the California coast. This new queuing system lines up the ships to unload at two different areas in the sea in order to unload at a port, and it's based on the Marine Exchange's calculated time of arrival, which they call CTA. They've now done away with the first-come, first-served process that was being used. So if a cargo ship makes good time and arrives early, it still has to wait miles and miles off the coast in order to fulfill its CTA. So let's hope that out of sight is not out of mind when it comes to unloading these cargo ships and alleviating the supply chain disruption. The Ghislaine Maxwell trial enters its second week. Last week, one of the four female witnesses spoke to the jury about how she was targeted at age 14 for sexual abuse by Maxwell and businessman Jeffrey Epstein. This week, a second female victim is testifying. She goes by the pseudonym Kate. Kate has said so far in the trial that Maxwell befriended her and promised help in her dreams of a music career, only to be groomed to engage in sex acts with Epstein when she was 17 years old. An FBI agent also testified in court about a raid of Epstein's several homes in which they found hundreds and hundreds of hard drives and other documents. The body of former Kansas Senator Bob Dole will lie in state at the U.S. Capitol This coming Thursday, Dole died over the weekend at the age of 98. 
Dole was also a World War II veteran who sustained damage from a shell fragment during the war and never regained the use of his right arm. He served in Congress for 36 years after that. He also ran as a Republican presidential candidate against Bill Clinton's re-election to a second term in 1996. You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. Be sure to listen to Right Side Radio and host Phil Williams as he continues a discussion about government surveillance. There's, there's nothing she had done. There was no probable cause. There was a surveillance camera that saw her face, misidentified her. She was taken in and detained on the possibility of pre-criminal behavior. Folks, that's when it gets way, way out of hand. And so this particular uh, article in Security Technology talks about the fact that China now has a vast, vast surveillance infrastructure made up of video systems, internet monitoring, tracking, and more. And it's used um, especially in one of their provinces called or the Xinjiang region uh, to monitor 13 million uh, of their Turkic Muslims, the Uyghurs, through mobile apps and biometric data and collection and artificial intelligence and all of it. It's, it's unreal what they're doing. But... Um, in as late as 2019, uh, an organization called the Wilson Center found that China had exported surveillance technology platforms for use in policing and public safety to more than 80 countries around the world. So what China's doing is being exported. You may say, well, Phil, it's just the tools they're using. It doesn't mean they're using them the same way. Okay. Okay. That's great. But a country that develops the technology has the ability to access the technology, I guarantee you. And when China sets up your security network, what do you think is going to happen when one day they want to access it? I'm sure they can remotely. They have different places in the article here where they talk about things like Human Rights Watch has been really watching the way they've been handling Uyghurs. And there's a, a thing called the Strike Hard campaign in the Chinese government where they, they literally use um, tracing, like what I just talked about earlier with that app from UAB. They use tracing to be able to track Uyghur movements and then subject them to mass arbitrary detentions, forced political indoctrination and restrictions on their movement and religious oppression. Now, yes, that's China. We're the United States. Do we have more protections here? Yes, we do. But are we allowing those protections to be kind of withered a bit? Yes, we are. We really are. Um, Phil, why would you say such a thing? Well, because I'm looking at other stories that tell me these things. Like, for instance... Liberals um, love contract tracing right now. Liberals, and apparently Governor Ivey, really love uh, apps that will track your movements unless it doesn't suit their agenda. Here's an article from Salon. Did I go to Salon? I went to Salon.com. Daggone, Phil. Well, I did. Sometimes you got to know what the other side's saying. But I went to (laughs) Salon.com. This is from November 8th of this year, just a few weeks ago. And the title of it is Advocates Challenge the CDC's New Effort to Track HIV. Okay, it's not COVID, but they're doing tracing and tracking similar to what we're talking about with COVID. And so in this particular situation, there's a tool, an app, that a researcher was real excited about that literally identifies what they call clusters. In public health, apparently, they locate uh, where there have been small outbreaks. They call them clusters and, and where they see HIV spreading. Well, he was speaking at a recent event at a hotel ballroom, and an activist took the stage and began chanting and saying, you can't do this without us. And they began to say that we didn't sign up for this, we didn't ask for this, because they were all afraid that the police state, in their words, their words, was going to begin descending upon the the gay community because they would track where the HIV clusters were. But it's interesting to me that on a more liberal standpoint, 
they don't want anybody in their business unless it also has to do with our business. So it's okay when it's COVID. It's not okay when it's HIV, apparently. You can find that podcast at rightsideradio.org. If you're enjoying Daily Detail, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to get these reports right on your phone. Also, while you're there, consider leaving a five-star rating for my podcast. I'm Andrea Tice. I'll be back again tomorrow.